As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey dudes, sup? Here we are. We're back. We're back. I always want to sing the Eminem song. Guess who's back? Oh, I know. That's yeah. Sorry. Move, move on. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. We all have our, we all have our things, you know. <laughs> our badges of no, that's mm-hmm. badges of honor. What is our shame? We all have our crosses to bear. There it is. There it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, today we have the burden. Of bringing you the story of Israel Keys. Gross. I, I always hate calling it, like titling the episode, the name of the motherfucker who killed people. But when they have multiple victims or you it's, don't even know all of the victims. Yeah, it's so hard. So it's hard. That's why. We're not glorifying him. He's a son of a bitch. Yeah. And if this is your first episode, welcome to the cursing. <laughs> exactly. It's who we are as people. It's so spicy language. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Spicy. <laughs> On the morning of February 2nd, 2012, a barista arrives for work at Common Grounds, a roadside coffee shop in Anchorage, Alaska. This should have been a normal morning for opening the store, but this morning something didn't seem right. Do we we don't have things like that? Mm, right? No. There are some little like kiosky things, but that's the only what one, this sounds like. Yeah, it's like a it's almost like a little, maybe it's like Karen's Custard, where it's like a little... Like a freestanding, teeny, teeny, tiny, like just big enough yeah. to have coffee or whatever. Yeah. Or smoothies or whatever they it's would like have, It's like an in-the-mall kiosk, but out But out outside of the in the elements, yeah. Yeah. In Alaska. That's in so Alaska. crazy to me. Yeah. Who walks over there to get coffee? I don't know. That just seems like... Because the way they described it is that it was like buried in like snow drifts all around it that just seems like a lot of work i don't know yeah, if it was the only like... starbucks near me i would do it <laughs> yeah you would there's a will there's a way. i would get us i would get a sled dog or whatever you would snowshoe your way out there be like mush <laughs> starbucks yes i would name my dogs latte like... mocha cappuccino <laughs> 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 exactly anyway <laughs> so i guess i get it and pound cake a little pound cake <laughs> pancake this particular morning though the coffee shop was in disarray so the deposit from the night before was missing and it probably wouldn't have been much but still it was gone and so was samantha so samantha was the person who would have worked the night before she was 18 years old samantha koenig And she'd only worked at Common Grounds for about a month before this, but she was usually really responsible when closing the store. So immediately the girl who was opening that morning was like, something's just not right. Like it shouldn't be. There was like napkins all over the floor, stuff all over the place. It was locked, I think, but it it just, it wasn't right. So she called the cops and she went ahead and I've seen varying reports of this that either she reported Samantha missing or that she called her boss her boss called Samantha's dad Samantha's dad called the cops and reported her missing but I do believe that the barista is who reported her missing just because of as we get into the investigation you'll see that her dad made some shady moves it just doesn't seem like he reported her missing to me. But mm-hmm. so it I, seems like this barista did. I do enjoy, side note, and not that it's that important, but that the coffee shop was called Common Grounds. Oh, sure. 
Nice play on that. I like that. Yeah. I'm just saying. It's, like, it's a place where everybody knows your name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like Scoops Ahoy. <laughs> <laughs> just anytime I can talk about Scoops Ahoy. The barista reports her missing and the police are like, hang on, I know what happened here. She wandered off into the snow with the money, maybe 200 bucks, and she's paying for herself to have just like a drug bender probably. Like What? Yeah. Where did this theory come from? <laughs> Somebody's brain somebody's the crack of their ass exactly so the problem with this theory among all of the other problems with this theory was that it was 30 degrees the night before obviously snow everywhere samantha didn't even have her truck that night she had been dropped off at work by her boyfriend Dwayne. she and Dwayne shared the truck and he was supposed to have picked her up from work that night so where was she going to go alone with no vehicle um, she didn't even have her driver's license, her ATM card. She had nothing. So all she would have had would have been a couple hundred dollars at most. And she's walking in snow, tons of snow in her regular shoes. Like, it's not like she had her sled dogs with her. Right. Like she's just by Wandering herself. aimlessly around. Yeah. In everyday attire. Yeah. In the tundra. That's ridiculous. Exactly. So this doesn't stop police from thinking this, though. Like, they're like, well, yeah, I don't know, but... That's grade A investigative <laughs> exactly. reporting. Like, like they were just Come like, on. we already know what this is. She just ran off, basically. I have heard, though, this, like, statistically in Alaska, drug use is higher than most places. Yeah, and to... To be fair, somewhat. <gasps> to be fair. <laughs> she she did have a history with drugs. Still, how likely is it that she's going to just walk around in the snow? She would have had her truck, at least. Or she would have waited to get picked up, and then... I don't know. It just seems, if I can say so, it seems like lazy police work to just be like, okay, well, we're not going to explore any other options. Obviously... Yeah. She just went on a drug bender. Let's close the case. Exactly. Like, she's she's of age. Fuck it. She probably wandered off. She'll be back in a couple days. Mm -mm. So, later that day, though, the police are able to access the surveillance video from the coffee kiosk. So, scoops Ahoy. Yeah. So, she, um, or the police, I mean, get the surveillance video. And what they see on it is that just before 8 o'clock p.m., the night before, Samantha is seen on camera wearing a lime green shirt. She looks relaxed. She's working as usual. She doesn't seem to be in any distress or worried or anything like that. She just seems like she appears to be acting completely normally. Her long brown hair is down, and she's talking with a customer who's off screen. And apparently they closed at 8 o'clock, so this is right before closing time. Everything appears to be completely normal. And suddenly, without warning, she turns the lights off. So... What happens next is hard to make out because the lights aren't on, but it appears that Samantha's hands go up and then what the detectives think looks like the muzzle of a gun is pointed inside the kiosk window. She then gets down on her knees and she stays that way for a few minutes. Then she gets up, she goes to the register and she empties the contents and then she kneels back down. So after that, she walks towards the window and she turns her back to it. So it... There's no audio, but what it seems like to the police is that obviously this person is giving her commands, do this, do that, whatever. So then he tells her to walk to the window, but then turn her back. Once she does that, the man, I mean, it's, they can't tell right away, but it looks like a man, leans in the window and then probably ties her hands behind her back because it, it just seems like that's what's happening because he's standing directly behind her. And he's asked her to turn around. And then a few more minutes pass and nothing happens. She's just standing there. Then the man lunges into the window and he lands inside right next to her. Then he has his right arm around her and he picks up something. They think it's her purse and he shows it to her. And then he turns her around towards the kiosk door. It's apparent that the man is tall and slender. He's wearing a black hoodie with white lettering on it. But pretty much everything else is you can't make it out because... 
It's just so grainy and it's dark. He escorts Samantha out of the kiosk and external cameras show them walking together until they're out of the view of camera disappearing into the snow. Even with this video, though, the police still aren't sure whether Samantha disappeared of her own accord. Even with this video? Is that what you just said to me right now? That's, yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to say it to you. I had to say it to you. So, oh my God. They have a few theories that they work up at this point. One of them is. She held her own self up. Is that what one? Okay. You just go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. that she would have been maybe complicit with it, that she knew it was going to happen and it was like a buddy of hers or something. Or it could have also been. So, her dad was known to be a drug dealer as well. So, could it have been somebody that he had a beef with? And he. How many beefs? At least one large beef. <laughs> because the police think maybe James Koenig gave up his daughter for, or said, my daughter works at this coffee shop, rob her ass. Yeah, and get the $200. Get the $200, I fucking owe you. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can find that just blowing your nose, right? <laughs> like, I wipe my ass with that Exactly, much like, what kidding. the fuck? No. <laughs> but, yeah, it just, I don't get it, but... I guess it's what happens when you've got somebody who is of age and the police have determined that she's got a troubled past or whatever it is that they decide. Like, well, she was asking for it. Exactly. She's done drugs before, so she probably just did this by herself or she robbed it herself or she set it up herself or whatever. Like, wow. Yeah, it pisses me off. Another thing that they figure out is that her father, James, was supposed to have brought her dinner that night at the kiosk. They had texted about it, but for some reason, James didn't end up bringing dinner to his daughter that night. And that's something that he is going to, I mean, he still regrets to this day. Like, he talks about it. Like, why didn't I do that? I should have just gone up there. If I had been there, nobody could have done this, you know? Mm, That's so sad. I mean, but that's what, it's not uncommon for if you're in a situation with another person and you survive and they don't or whatever, you know, you always kind of blame yourself. That's really sad though. Yeah. What could he have done? Exactly. They also knew that Dwayne was supposed to have picked her up from work that night. And according to Dwayne, he'd driven to the kiosk around eight 30, but when he got there, she was gone. The kiosk was closed up and there were napkins and towels kind of just thrown all about the coffee shop. Dwayne did say that he thought that was weird since Samantha was a neat freak but neither one of them reported her missing. So as detectives questioned Dwayne Moore, they learned that Samantha had texted him at 1130 that night, and the, well, the night that she went missing, saying, F you, asshole, I know what you did, and I'm going to spend a couple days with friends, need time to think, plan acting weird, let my dad know. This is all like one long sentence, so. What is plan acting weird? I don't know. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Either... Either trying to say that her cell phone is acting weird and maybe that's why I'm not going to be in communication as much or hmm. or you've been acting weird and it was like a mistype. I'm not really sure. Dwayne had moved in with Samantha and her dad, James, eight months prior to her disappearance and he was really close with the family. They've shared a vehicle. Dwayne insisted the relationship was a happy one, but this text suggested otherwise to detectives. He then admitted that he'd been caught flirting with other girls in the past and they'd recently gotten past this issue, but her text didn't seem like she was over it. Well, but her text also doesn't seem like it was her own text. Right. I would be interested to see other text messages that she typed out. This is like hours after she's gone missing. Right. That she's just like gone, you know. And I, it seems like somebody forced her out of the kiosk or whatever it's called. Right. Yeah. The police now know that. But, you know, yeah, if Dwayne gets this text message like... If I, if I sent something like that to somebody, somebody would be like, who has your phone? I would be interested to see how she normally texts. I don't know if that's normal for her or not, but apparently it didn't raise a huge red flag to him. So maybe it is the way that she texts. As Dwayne continued his account of the night Samantha went missing, he said that he'd left Common Grounds and then he went home. He and James tried to wait up for Samantha and around 3 a.m. he for some unknown reason, felt the need to go outside. When he opened the front door, he said he saw a man wearing a mask going through the truck he shared with Samantha. This is three in the morning. 
The two men stared at each other for a few moments, and then the masked man shut the truck door and fled into the night. Is that strange? I feel like that's or strange. What? <laughs> yeah, I would, I would be alarmed by that. Yeah. So then Dwayne just goes back in the house. And goes to bed. And he told James what happened. And James is like, that's fucking weird. So then he says, about an hour later, James goes back outside to search the truck, and he found that Samantha's driver's license and ATM card were missing from the visor where she normally kept them. And then they go back inside, and they both go to sleep. What? Yeah, and then Dwayne gets up at 9.30. Oh, my gosh. Why wouldn't... Like, <sighs> yeah, you, you read that, and you're like, okay, what the fuck, though? Because if you're trying to not be number one on the suspect list, you're doing a real bad job. Mm -hmm. Like, this is kind of batshit. So, like, what you're telling me is your girlfriend goes missing. She's supposed to ride home with you. But when you get to her work, she's gone. You don't hear from her for three hours. She doesn't tell you beforehand that she's not going to be there. When you hear from her later, you get a text that kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. And is not representative of the current state of your relationship. Because what you're saying is... You guys got past this. You're it was happy. totally over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You were back to a good place. Why would all of a sudden she be like, well, fuck it. I'm going to leave for a few days. Then this super creepy guy is going through your truck at three in the morning. You don't chase after him. You don't yell at him. You don't go immediately out to check to see what he took or whatever. You don't call the cops. No. None of this stuff. You just go back inside then when you find out that he took your missing girlfriend's ID and bank card, you go to sleep. You just, you're like, well, okay. What can I do? I guess she sent some guy in a mask to get that shit for her. I will say, and I don't, I understand, like, in the context of this case, the mask is important. In Alaska, when it's 30 degrees. That's true. They do wear, a lot of them wear masks. Just because. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're just protecting your face. Yeah, so I guess that's true. But still, the guy going rifling through your well, shit. Right. If he was just, if you just saw him out, and yeah. you're like, oh god, that's a, a masked man. Yeah, here we would be like, call the police. <laughs> yeah, get away from him. <laughs> but there, they're like, hey, Bob. <laughs> right. How's it going? Yeah. So it doesn't. It doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense. And like, how does the? I guess I am putting a lot of weight on the masked man. But how does this guy? Know yeah. where Samantha lives. Right. Know which car is hers, parked on a dark street. Right. Go straight for her ID and bank card. And how would you, because I don't know if this is a common thing. This could be another thing that people um, put out, you know, like if, if it's on the Facebook discussion group. I don't keep my shit just in my car always. If you do, yeah, that, yeah. send us how your address know? and what time you're not going to be around your car. Do you like your car? Yeah, just let us know. Let someone know. Yeah, just this is research. Right. Is all it is. But yeah, I think a lot, I don't think a lot of people do that. So that is an unusual, how does this person know to go straight for that, basically? Uh, we don't know how long the guy was rifling through their shit, I guess, because when he walked out, the guy was already doing it. But well, but I mean, it's pretty, pretty, um, what's the right word? Lucky, I guess, that... He went through the truck and found exactly what he probably was looking for, which was the ATM card and the ID. You know, I yeah. don't know about the ID, but like the ATM card, that's big. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it just all sounds pretty fucking suspicious. Totally. And very coincidental and convenient. And Dwayne is like, eh, normal. Yeah. And he's like, so the police are like, well, why didn't you report her missing then? Like, well, I didn't think I should. That's exactly what he said. He said he didn't think he could do anything till she'd been missing for 24 full hours, which is also what her father, James, had told detectives as well, because they asked him why had he not reported her missing. They've been watching too much Law & Order or something. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, they both said, I didn't think you could do anything till she was missing for 24 hours. Even if that's the actual law, why wouldn't you do anything just because you were terrified and scared? You know what I mean? Like, if you know something's up. Yes. Yeah. Like, all signs are pointing to this is... Not her just leaving willingly with consent. Like, it seems like a bad fucking 
ordeal. And they're like, well, I mean, we got to wait. How many cases have we covered where parents of missing children or whatever, or missing people have been like, I don't give a fuck if you want me to wait 72 hours. I'm fucking calling right now. And I'm going to call you until well, yeah. you look for it's them. It's like been an hour and they're like, yeah, Where they're is like, she? something's wrong. I know yeah. something's wrong. Yeah. And then you pile on top of that, the fact that the, the guys going through your stuff, it just, right now I can see why the detectives zoned in on them because they do at this point. They think it's very suspicious and they think they, the police really think the man going through the truck is made up. They think Dwayne got rid of her shit at this point. Like if they didn't think that drugs were a part of this before, I'm sure they did after talking to him. Well, wait to even to this. So I'm not waiting. Well, okay, then here we go. (laughs) We're not waiting. Okay. So, now, Dwayne and her dad, James, are like numero uno and numero dos. Oh, my gosh. You're so cultured. Yeah. And, uh, oh, of the suspect list is what I... Oh. Is what the numeros they are. What's that in Spanish? <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Got me. Um, so, then detectives are going to go to the Koenig home, and they want to talk with James and Dwayne, and they're met with just more suspicious behavior. James refuses to let law enforcement in the house. What? Yeah. He opens the door only enough. Literally, it's like he cracks the door and he's like, hey, what do you guys want? And they're like, well, we want to come in and like talk to you and like look around. And he's like, hang on. And so he opens the door like just a crack enough for him to like slip out. And he's like, uh, did he like Alex Mackett? He just morphed into a liquid. Basically, (laughs) like and made sure the door stayed locked the whole time. And then they're like, well, we want to talk to Dwayne, too. And he's like, hold on, I'll go get him. It's kind of like Mrs. Doubtfire, because then he, like, slips back into the house, shuts the door. Then Dwayne comes to the door, opens it just enough. Are they the same person? Gets out <laughs> and shuts the door behind him. Was so, like one of them wearing some kind of a iced topping mask or whipped something? Whipped cream mask, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it's like, I mean, it's kind of, it almost sounds comical, though, because it's like, it's like they're swapping off or something but they make sure that the detectives can't look inside the house in any way shape or form and as somebody who is nosy as fuck knows if i if you're not gonna let me if it's if you make it a point for me not to see what's in there i gotta see it exactly so they want to know what's going on with that so while that's while that's suspicious james koenig does rally the community He's working tirelessly to find his daughter. He is the person who set up a tip line and a volunteer site right next to the Common Grounds kiosk. Wow. He had a huge five-foot... Uh-oh. Mm-mm. mm Five-foot poster made with Samantha's face on it that said kidnapped. He set it up on the roadside. He would hold it, you know, as people drove by. He wanted as many people to see her face as he could. Um, he asked everyone he knew to look for her. He made tons of media appearances. He did anything he could to keep attention on the case. So, you know, that's a point in the, if he, if he had something to do with it, it seems like he'd kind of want to sweep it under the rug. Not draw attention to. Yeah. Not get more people looking at it, not get so many more eyes on it. So Mm -hmm. that doesn't seem like he had anything to do with it. I don't know why in this case we 100% know who the, suspect is and I'm like well Dwayne's not looking real good right now like I know it's not him it's fine I know but see but that's the thing and this is why I think that I don't know it's like it's like that show the night of on HBO a while back where like did you ever watch that I don't think so oh Tori you gotta watch it it's this guy he like meets some girl one night and he is it a movie up, or a show? No, it's a show. It's like a mini series. Okay. And he ends up going like back to her house and um, he had borrowed his dad's cab. His dad was a cab driver. He borrows his dad's cab. He goes to her house or whatever. He kind of parties with her a little bit. She is kind of into some strange things. She wants to play this game where they're taking a knife and she's like spreading her fingers apart and like. What is that called? I don't know what it's I'm called. Look it up. But, yeah, they're playing that game, and he ends up getting a cut on his hand from it because they're also super drunk and they're on drugs. So there's, like, a lot going on. And then I think they end up sleeping together maybe. 
And then, okay, it's there's multiple names. The Knife Game, Pin Finger, Nerve, Bishop, Stab Scotch. Jesus. And Five Finger Filet. Oh, my God. All of them sound like, why in the fuck would you ever want to play that game? Stab Scotch. Stab Scotch. I guess we did willingly go to Stabby Gyms all the time. <laughs> yeah, we did. I never got stabbed. Me neither. When it's really a game of Russian roulette, isn't it? Yes. But yeah, so they were playing this game or whatever. He gets a cut on his hand, all this stuff. He passes out, basically. He gets up like middle of the night, early morning, and he's leaving. And it turns out she's been murdered. Oh. In her bed. Like she's like covered in blood, stabbed a bunch of times, whatever. And he's like, he woke up like in the kitchen, I think downstairs. And he went up to like go tell her he was leaving or something. And he's like, oh, fuck. So he gets the fuck out of there because at first he's like, well, I was passed out. Did I do this? Like, what the fuck? And then he's like, there's no way I could have done this. Did they do bath salts? Like how? I don't know. I know. It was like a lot. So long story short, he ends up getting arrested for it. Um, He ends up going to trial for it because because think about if this was a case we were covering and we say she meets this guy and she ends up being stabbed multiple times and he's got a stab wound on his hand. Classic because as you're stabbing, you're going to slip and you're going to get cuts on your hand. Right. So he's going to have probably some of her blood on him because Mm -hmm. they were playing that game and whatever that looks very suspicious. And that looks like who the fuck else could have done it. Like you're going to sit here and be like, yeah, I was the last person to be with her. I was with her all night. I was there when she was murdered. And the person didn't murder me. Like, yeah. I fell asleep on the kitchen floor. Yeah. We were playing She was murdered scotch. upstairs. Yeah. yeah. And it was, but it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't do it. It turned out to be somebody else. And you find out in the last episode who it was. That's insane. But it makes you look at circumstantial evidence, I think, a little bit differently. I mm-hmm. thought it was, I don't know. I was just like, oh, mind blown. Like, I was just like, holy fuck. Because I definitely, on a jury, would have convicted that guy. Sure. 100% I would yeah. have. Like, just because. All the evidence. What is the likelihood that something like that's going to happen, you know? Mm. And I think that's like, there's cases where like boyfriend or husband, I mean, Doris Angleton, if he had not done it, which he did, her husband. Right. But what are the odds that the 15, 20 minutes he sends her home to pick something up for baseball is when she gets attacked? Like, what are the odds that it's going to happen right then, Mm -hmm. you know? But it can, like, it just can. It's, it's not likely, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. And I think that you have to look at all of the possibilities. That's why you investigate. That's why you look at the victim and find out if somebody has a motive. Like, right. you know, it's just there's so many things that could happen that you cannot just tunnel vision right into something. Right. Like, don't leave any stone unt- unturned, right? Yeah. I mean, you have to, yeah. Exactly. Explore all avenues. Yeah, because, I mean, I've heard a lot in, like, cases and detectives have been like, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. And a lot of times I feel the same way. That sounds like a Joe Kenda thing to say. Yeah, my, my, my. (laughs) So, and that's where we are right now. Because now we've got Dwayne being like, well, she wasn't there when I went to get her. But I said that's that's unusual. Right. And, but then this weird guy was going through my truck and I can't find Samantha. But by that point she had said, I'm pissed. So he's like, okay, now, now somebody is, maybe it was a neighborhood where people break into trucks or something. I don't, you're like break into cars, you know, like Mm -hmm. that if it's a normal thing that happens, like they didn't talk about it in the investigation. Like I read the book, um, American Predator Mm -hmm. for this. So they didn't specifically talk about that in it, but it could have been, you know, it could be something that happens on a normal But maybe let's just say for the sake of saying that she didn't, like she had somebody else pick her up or whatever. She was mad at Dwayne. So she had somebody else pick her up. Then this guy friend or whoever, she was like, go, can you go get my shit out of the truck? I don't know. It's three o'clock in the morning. That's suspicious, but whatever i would hope to god and we are in no way blaming the family of a victim like i'm not in any way saying that this is Dwayne or james's fault oh no 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 because 
the more we talk about Israel Keys, I am I he is by no means a genius. I think he got really fucking lucky with a lot of shit. And his patience was a virtue. Yes, he had a oh yeah, he had a lot of pay. That's what's really I think scary about him was that he could wait. Um towards the end he had trouble doing that and that's what got him caught, but um there in no way I don't think there's I there's nothing they could have done, you know? There's nothing they could have done. But I I would think that but again, a different place that we live Ski masks are not normal here. Right. Um, but, you know, we do sometimes have neighborhood kids, like, just open the car doors, see what they can get. We've had that happen a few times, and they've actually left stuff in there. We had an Xbox in there once. I mean, it was an old one. Maybe they were like, fuck that. I don't want right. that. But <laughs> they historic. left it. Like, I don't know. But if we saw somebody doing that, I'm pretty sure Andrew would be like, hey, the fuck? Like, he yeah. would have yelled or ran out or something. Right. It's just... To the detectives where they are in the investigation, they're saying, what are the fucking odds? Yeah. You and know? I, and taking in everything else into account. Yeah. And and we're saying her bank card is gone, her ID is gone, but some man came and took it. Mm-hmm. I didn't report that. I didn't report her missing even because mm-hmm. I thought I wasn't supposed to yet. So yeah. it's, just, it's just suspicious. So during this time, this is when detectives are kind of looking at the three theories, either Samantha was abducted by someone she didn't know, which I think the tape pretty clearly shows. James had done something to Samantha for ransom money. So trying to basically like set up a ransom situation to raise this money in the community, which would be psychopathic at best. Or Samantha set the whole thing up herself. Mm-hmm. Even even with the fucking video, they still, some of the detectives were still convinced that like she knew who took her and she was like just playing along pretty good actress i guess i don't know yeah it just seems weird it is so three weeks after she'd gone missing and her phone had no activity whatsoever Dwayne received a text from samantha's phone all it said was connor park sign under pick of albert ain't she purdy so connor park was an area like a park in the area it was connor boggs park and it was like a popular trailhead for runners there, they had a bulletin board there, and there was a photo of a missing dog named Albert on the bulletin board. Mm. So underneath that, there was a Ziploc bag. Inside was a ransom note and a photocopied, or actually multiple photocopied Polaroids of Samantha. In the photo, Samantha's hair was braided and she was wearing eyeliner. So they know that these were taken at different, a different times. Time. Yeah, mm-hmm. because she was wearing something was different. Down. Yeah, her yeah. hair was down. So they're like... She's obviously put makeup on. Her hair is braided. Like, maybe she's doing okay. In one photo, her head was being held by a man's hand, and a copy of the February 12th edition of Anchorage Daily News was in the upper corner. So this was supposed to be proof of life. They didn't find this. Like, they didn't get the note until, I think, the 23rd. Mm. So it was from a week before, at least 10 days before. But it was supposed to be proof of life. The ransom note demanded that $30,000 be deposited into Dwayne and Samantha's account. And if this happened, she'd be freed in six months. Whoa. Like, what kind of crock of shit is that? Right. I feel like. Of course, none of the investigators believe that because... In what world? Yeah. But they thought if she was still alive, they could deposit the money, track the ATM card for withdrawals, and then find the person that took her. Except for one thing. Mm. James Koenig did not want to deposit the money. Oh. Which was, to say the least, a shock to investigators. So at this point, the reward pot was up to over $60,000. Wow. Yeah. And everyone knew that James was using some of the money for his own bills, which I think happens. Like, Well, if he can't work because he's round the clock trying to rally and... Yeah. Search and, you know, exactly. Like you, you've got to keep bills paid, whatever you got to do. Like, I completely understand that. And if Samantha was helping with bills and now you don't have that income, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I would completely understand that. He had started the fund about 48 hours after Samantha went missing on the Facebook group he created for her case and people started donating immediately. But detectives are like, okay, well, you've got the $30,000. You double that. Why would you not want to deposit this money? Like, if we can get your daughter, why would you not? And he's like, well, but what if it's fake? What if it's just a hoax, somebody trying to get money? 
And they're how like, does that thought even enter your mind if the if the possibility is that you get your daughter back? And also, we know that the same night she it's been three weeks that she's been missing, and that same night somebody took her ATM card. Hmm. I think we've got a pretty hot lead here. Yeah. Like somebody's got it. Somebody knew she wasn't going to be there. Right. Who took it? Like this is very strange. So it, he also thought the photos could be fake. Some of the detectives went back and forth about whether or not she was actually alive in the photos. Um, but detectives were just astonished. They were just like, I cannot even believe this is a question. But five days after receiving the ransom note, James Conan called the police department and he said that the FBI told him not to deposit the whole 30000 deposit a smaller amount, and then push the kidnapper to contact. So instead, he deposited $5,000. And lo and behold, four hours after that deposit, someone tried to withdraw 600 bucks from the account. It was denied. Detectives felt that whoever had Samantha was not used to using the ATM for large amounts because most banks limit withdrawals to 500 bucks. Yeah, I thought it, 600, especially, yeah, I just thought that there was a limit where you could only deposit or withdraw a certain amount. Yeah, there's, yeah, you're without going limit. in. Yeah. And, yeah. So they thought this would be something that maybe James wouldn't know because he operated a cash business, which was selling drugs. So they thought, well, again, what are the odds? That the only people that knew that we were going to deposit money in that account were James and Dwayne. And four hours, this is five days after the note, right? It's not like at the same day of the note, he goes and tests it to see if the money is in there. It's five days after. And on the fifth day, when he decides to deposit the money, four hours later, this person withdraws, tries to withdraw money. Yeah. So again, coincidence. The, I know, the detectives are like, hmm. They, they're the only people that knew this. This didn't go out on the media. So, and the ATM withdrawal came from a bank in Anchorage. So it was local. But then two hours after that failed attempt, a successful withdrawal of $500 was processed. Then about a half hour later, another withdrawal of $500. So whoever had the card figured out 600 is a no-go. But if I take 500 at like 11.30 p.m. and 500 at like 12.15 a.m. I'm on two different days and I get $1,000 like that. Right. So they're figuring this process out a little bit quicker. But they were going to have to wait for the ATM surveillance for like another day. At least the surveillance cameras weren't working. That's true. That's true just sucks that it's a whole nother day to get it. Well, right. There's no way that they could even catch up with him because he's already long gone, obviously. Exactly. And then on top of that, they have James being really reluctant to deposit any money. And then like two seconds after he deposits the money, this person starts withdrawing money. They're thinking we're going to see James or Dwayne on that. Right. Eight, on the surveillance. That's That's just what they're thinking. But, you know, were they letting Tunnel Vision take over? Which... I don't know. I mean, I kind of don't blame them right now. I mean, initially, I did not appreciate them just being like, well, she probably ran off. Investigate it, my God. But especially once you have that fucking surveillance video, investigate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But, I mean, I can see why it just, all the pieces seem like they're fitting together for this. Mm-hmm. Then, it finally occurs to detectives, like, right after this, Hold on, why don't we pull surveillance from surrounding businesses at the Common Grounds coffee shop? They never did that. They only pulled the one from the coffee shop. There's a Home Depot directly across the street. So they finally pull that. And, and they, I mean, luckily the video was still there because how many businesses rewipe that shit like every 48 hours or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like they just record over it. So luckily three weeks later, it's still there. So they actually did see something. So at 7.45 p.m. the night Samantha went missing, a white Chevy pickup truck pulls into the Home Depot parking lot. A tall man gets out of the truck alone and walks across Tudor Road, which is the road separating Home Depot and Common Grounds, and then he disappears from view. About 20 minutes later, he reappears on the video, this time with Samantha. The kicker is there are other people around, and nobody seems concerned. At this point, it's not like she's screaming or anything like that. She's... She's cooperating. Right. She's compliant. But the amount of witnesses that probably saw this abduction is absurd because there's all kinds of people in the Home Depot parking lot 
and there's a super busy gym, like, kind of right down from that, there was tons of people coming in and out of the gym, and, like, no, I mean, nobody seemed like anything was amiss. However, these are all people the cops could have been talking to. Oh, absolutely. They could have canvassed the area and asked, did you see anybody that was... Yeah. And, I don't know, I'm not an investigator, I'm not a detective, I wouldn't have thought, I mean, after you said, like, looking at the surveillance from other businesses, that makes sense, but where how I was envisioning it is it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, so I didn't yeah. know if there were any, but why wouldn't they, three weeks later, like, it's in, you know, three weeks later, are you going to be able to find the people that were there? Exactly. Are they going to even remember something like that? Exactly, because it, it everything that happened that night would have been inconsequential to them, because they don't think anything's happening, like... They don't see anything happening, so it just seems like people are getting into a truck or whatever. Right. I mean, maybe there was a white truck. Maybe there wasn't. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. So the man has his arm around Samantha. They're about to cross the street. When the traffic light changes, she broke away and she tried to run. So now on the video, it's clear that her wrists were bound together and she's very clearly in a panic. She starts to run, but then the man tackles her. I'm telling you, there somebody fucking saw this. Why didn't anybody, if you see something like that, somebody being tackled to the ground? Yeah. I, I feel like somebody had to have seen that because you've got Home Depot right across. If we're talking about a traffic light from here to right the fuck over there, right. then somebody fucking saw that. Like, I don't understand it. And And the way that when there's interrogations and everything... When he talks about this, he uh, by the by the end of him like telling this story, he mentions like no less than twenty or thirty people that would have seen them during their walk all the way across the street. Um, he tackles her, he leans in, he whispers something, and then it, after that, it, it doesn't seem like she yells out at all. There's no audio; they can't tell, but she seems pretty subdued after that. They continue across the street. They walk over to the white truck. They wait outside the truck while other people that are kind of like meandering nearby get into their own cars. They drive away. The man puts Samantha into the passenger seat. He walks around to the driver's seat. He gets in, and then they drive out of view. The truck has no license plates on it, but now they have a vehicle to search for. The problem was that it was just happened to be the most popular truck in all of Alaska. So, Oh, no. Yeah, it's like whatever. But they could tell from the surveillance that it was a Chevrolet because the name was so long and it was a white pickup. But other than that, they didn't really have anything. So again, though, this is three weeks later that they could have been searching for this truck. Right. And now we have nothing and we don't know, is she alive or is she not? Like, I think the police were kind of split 50, 50 on whether they thought she was still alive. One thing though, if I may, that I guess is not helpful, but kind of helpful that they waited so long is if the withdrawals are happening in Anchorage, because I would guess that, you know, there are a lot of banks, especially in the same state that you're in, you could go from, you know, um, I don't know, you could go from Nashville to Memphis and there would be the same bank. It wouldn't be like you'd have to stay in the same area. They made the withdrawals from the same, like in Anchorage. So obviously they're looking for a truck probably in Anchorage rather than in Juneau or rather than in, Right. Those are the only two cities I know of in Alaska, but you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Exactly. Good job. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember any cities in Alaska except for Anchorage now. So, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, at least they have that. Um, you're going to be real disappointed later when I talk about the truck again. So I'm sure I will. Put a pin in that. Okay. Um, six days pass until Samantha's card is used again. This time it's used in Wilcox, Arizona. Damn it, see? Mm -hmm. Oh, now we've now we're fucked up, aren't we? Yep. We're all fucked up. Surveillance was pulled and the figure looked similar to the person on the video taking Samantha. So we got tall, lanky person. The person was wearing a mask and white tennis shoes and he was no longer driving the white Chevy, most likely in a rental car. Here's the thing. Hmm. I don't know Dwayne's build, but James Koenig is a rounder man. Okay. He So he's not going to fit this description. So they know at this point. I think at this point they've ruled them out. Um, it just because they're they're still in Alaska, right? How could they go to trying to find Wilcox, Arizona? Her? Yeah, and and the card is still being used, and now it's out of state, very far away. Then another withdrawal attempt in Lordsburg, New Mexico. 
This one was denied, probably because they think what happened was the time change got this guy all fucked up because he was thinking it was past midnight there, but Samantha's card was still on Alaska time. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So he he tried it too soon, so it didn't work. The um the next time it was used was a balance inquiry at the same ATM. So he wanted to see where they were. Then he just tried 80 bucks and he was able to get that. So that got him as close to that daily limit. I guess he hadn't withdrawn the full thing. Agents decided to release the Bolo to get as many law enforcement officers as possible along the I-10 eastbound looking for the kidnapper. They were looking for an unknown male suspect wearing lighter colored clothing and driving a newer light colored passenger vehicle, probably or possibly traveling east toward El Paso. That's what we're working with here. Wow. Lighter car, lighter clothes, unknown male. Lighter man. Yeah. Maybe driving to El Paso. Nice. Keep an eye out. (laughs) Like, okay. The FBI then contacted Texas Rangers for assistance in Lufkin, Texas. The ATM had been used twice again, once in Humble and once in Shepherd, Texas. And based on the ATM surveillance photos, the police now believe the car was a white Ford Focus, which also happened to be the most commonly rented in the United States. So, another blow. Officers in the Lufkin area began driving around looking for cars that matched the description, and Texas Ranger Steve Rayburn received a call that State Patrol Officer Brian Henry had found a white Ford Focus in the parking lot at the Quality Inn off Highway 59 in Lufkin, Texas. I'm so glad that this Texas Ranger helped out, but you know who we really needed on the case? Walker. I'm telling you, Steve Rayburn, he ain't no slouch. He ain't no slouch. <laughs> he's, got the, he's got the right stuff, I think. He's up to snuff. He sure is. Um, as officers made their way to the Quality Inn, an adult male exited room 215 and began placing items in the Ford Focus. And then he gets in the car and he pulls out of the parking lot. And so officers are like, oh, fuck, this guy's leaving. He pulls on a Highway 59, he starts driving north, and as of right now, there's no reason to pull him over. They follow him, but they're thinking, this guy, this just seems like the car, the guy was wearing the right stuff, like, it looked, it was very suspicious. He's right off the same highway we're looking for him on. So then, um, they're following, they're keeping, like, two cars between him, and finally they get their reason. He increases his speed to 57 miles per hour in a 55-mile-per-hour zone. And, buddy, you better believe his ass got pulled over. <laughs> they were like, two miles over, not not on my watch, bitch. <laughs> Trying to keep the streets safe. Exactly. There could be children playing out here. Two miles. That's nothing to mess around with. Absolutely not. I. You're probably going to cut this out, but I like how I looked over and you were, I'm a little teapotting it. <laughs> Speeding really pisses me off. Yeah. Really does. She really showed off her handle there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Andrew and I are dangerously close to starting a Drive 25 campaign in this neighborhood. What was it um, on Modern Family? Slow down your neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) Slow down. Who's saying it? Your neighbors. The sign just says, slow Slow down down your your neighbors. neighbors. (laughs) There's no like comma. There's no no nothing. There's no. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. Andrew was like, oh my God. When I was little, my mom did a drive 25 campaign in my neighborhood. And I was like, what a fucking loser. Like, he's like, I was so embarrassed about it. And he was like, now I have kids. And I'm like. People go fast. Yeah. He's like, I'm fucking about ready to start a campaign in this neighborhood. Because 30 is too fast. Mm -hmm. And people pass us when we go 30. Damn uh, kids. Yeah. Here they do? That's insane. Yeah, the kids in this neighborhood will pass me. They'll go 50, 60 miles an hour. I mean, that is not okay. No, it's not okay. I will say, though, one time one of my friends from right out of high school, she got pulled over for something, had to go to court for, like, some kind of a speeding ticket or whatever, parking tickets. I don't know. I've luckily knocking on all of the wood. Right. <laughs> we had to. I went with her because she's codependent and she couldn't go by herself, so I went with her. And there was a guy who was trying to argue his speeding ticket. And the judge was like, well, what was the speed limit was, let's say, 45. And he was like, yeah, well, I was only going 50. And the judge was like, so you were speeding. He was like, but only by five miles. And, <laughs> and the, the judge, judge was like, like, it's fucking speeding, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you have to pay it. Exactly. It doesn't matter. There's no grace period. For, oh, it was only five. Oh, okay. Five yeah. miles. That's not act technically speeding. This right. is a horseshoes. Like, it is or it isn't. Exactly. Yeah. That's really funny. I mean, I definitely, for the most part, feel that way. But when 
But I also drive like a granny and I never speed. It's so true. Usually I end up like five miles under by accident. Or you're completely stopped on the road and don't even realize it. A handful of times. (laughs) But like I also think that if the speed limit is super low, like in a residential area. This is a neighborhood. (laughs) Like I've also seen you go around a sharp curve and turn your blinker on, so I bet a lot of people do that by accident. <laughs> I think you need to have your license revoked. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's that's very true. Like, it's not safe for me to be on the streets, guys. But but back back to Steve Rayburn. Right, okay? right, 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 right. Okay. Okay. They got this asshole going two miles over off the streets, and thank God they did. Yeah. They turn their lights on. They pull him over. When they approach him, they ask him where he's from. He says, Alaska. <gasps> Mm-hmm. Officer Henry asks him to step out of the car and he wants to see his ID. He saw a knife in the man's back pocket and another in the back seat of the car. He asked him to place the knives on the trunk. When the man asked what it was all about, Officer Henry replied that they're looking into a kidnapping in Alaska. They ask his name. He says, my name is Israel Keys. He lived in Anchorage. He had no criminal record. He began telling the officers that he was in town for his sister's wedding in Wells, about 15 minutes away from where he was then. He had two brothers in town, both from Maine. He'd been staying in Wells for the last few days. He was also sweating profusely. These are all answers to questions that Officer Henry had not asked. So that raised red flags for him. I mean, in addition to he's from Alaska. Like, what are the fucking odds? The sweating profusely thing, though, that doesn't concern me because if you're from Alaska, your average body temperature is probably 28 degrees Fahrenheit. So if you're in New Mexico or Texas or Arizona, you're going to be sweating profusely. You're at like 102. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be, you need to, there's going to be some sweating. Yep. He's thawing out quickly. Quickly. Thank you. He wasn't ready for it. But I think the main thing was that they're like, where are you from? What's your name? And he's, and he's like, like, well, I have two brothers. My sister's getting, this. yeah. Yeah. My sister's getting married. They, I stayed with them a couple days and then I came over here and blah, blah, blah. They're like diary of the mouth. Yeah. They're like a slow down partner. <laughs> well, I didn't ask you that. Okay. <laughs> what accent were you I don't doing? know. I don't know. Like I can do naturally a country okay. accent. Yeah. That was that. Maybe that was my Alaska. I don't know what happened. Okay. I'm so sorry to everybody. Yeah. You should be. I've offended all of the people. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So no, you know what that detectives or that uh, Texas Ranger said? That dog ain't gonna hunt. That's very true. I'm so sorry. Keys said he'd been in town about ten days. He flew into Vegas to take his ten year old daughter to the Grand Canyon. Then he drove down to Wells for the wedding. When asked if he'd stayed in any other states on the drive from Vegas to Wells, Keys said that he'd only slept an hour or so here and there on the drive. Then they said, well, how did you pay for gas? Like, did you stop for gas? And he's like, oh, well, yeah, of course I stopped for gas. They're like, okay, how'd you pay? He's like, uh, I, don't, I don't remember that. How do you not remember that? Yeah, they're like, you don't, re- did you pay cash or card? Like, pull out your wallet and let's see how did you pay? Do you have cash in your wallet or did you pay with a card? Do you have receipts or anything like that? And he's like, uh, probably cash. And they're like, well, okay, let's whip out that wallet then let's jog your memory here and he's like well you're not gonna search anything am i under arrest and they're like hmm i don't know if you're under arrest yet because right now they've got like only a little bit they're not really sure if they can take him in so from outside the car they can see rubber banded stacks of cash white sneakers that were similar to the atm videos this right now is just vague probable cause But with him being from Alaska, they really, really wanted to search the vehicle. So they ended up taking him in. They were like, we're going to take a chance. I guess in Texas, you have, they have kind of a little bit of leeway in the law where they're a little bit more lenient with probable cause, I guess. They talked about it in the book a little bit because the detective in Alaska who was working with the FBI was like, What his concern was is if we, whatever we find right now, if we find it unethically, then it's going to get, I won't be able to use it in court. Mm. So that's what he's worried about. He's like, everything that we do right now needs to be by the book because if his defense attorney can fucking throw that shit out, then we're fucked. So I need to know that whatever I find, I can use in court. And so the, one of the officers in Texas is like, look, we have this thing with probable cause. 
you can kind of get around it in Texas. And he's like, well, that's not going to fly in Alaska, though. So, like, I don't know. So he's really worried about it. And then he was like, fuck it. Take him in. Search the car. So they search the car. They find a lot of shit. They find energy drinks. Um, one set well, of... That got him right there. One set of school photos of a child. The white sneakers. An ATM receipt under the driver's side floor mat reading debit not available. A Sony digital camera containing 200 plus photos of a wedding. So he'd already been to the wedding at this point. One new gray shirt with store tags. Amber tinted sunglasses. A t-shirt with a sleeve cut off. Dark gray fleece Columbia jacket. A bunch of Walmart bags. Rolls of cash in denominations of 5 and $10, which is strange. A Walmart receipt stamped Lufkin, Texas, 4, 10 a.m., 3, 12, 2012. A sandwich, an energy drink, a pair of black sunglasses, partial gallon of water, laundry detergent, a pink backpack. That's in the back seat. Then in the trunk, they found a green backpack, a gray DVD case containing pornographic images of a black female, Pornographic DVDs, including transgender pornography. This is from the book. I'm just reading a list. Okay. Alaska Airlines flight confirmation of Israel Keys and daughter to depart Anchorage on 3-6-2012. Arriving Seattle, Washington, 5-54 a.m. Departing Seattle, 3-30 p.m. Arriving Las Vegas, 5-56 p.m. Bottles of alcohol still chilled in Walmart bags. Another gray fleece jacket. A gray hooded sweatshirt with amber shooting glasses and a gray cloth mask in front pocket, gloves in another pocket, a laptop, a black Samsung cell phone, slider type, battery and SIM card removed, a toiletry kit, a handgun, one pair of binoculars, one black ski mask, one headlamp. And they're like, the fuck is all this shit? <laughs> like, Yeah, that's weird. That seems like a lot of just weird stuff to have if you're in town for a wedding. Right. But inside his wallet, they found Samantha's ID and bank card. Uh, bingo. Yeah, exactly. We got him. But at this point, they, don't, they still don't know if she's alive or not. So Alaska police get moving on a search warrant on Keyes' home. And that's the home he shared with his girlfriend, Kimberly Anderson. She was a nurse at Alaska Regional Hospital. On the property is the home itself, two sheds, a trailer, and a white Chevy pickup truck. So this is what I was going to tell you. Police had actually checked this truck out when they started looking for the vehicle three weeks in, and they ruled it out. What? Yeah. They they decided it had nothing to do with it. It's unfortunate. You think? It's unfortunate. I think part of why they ruled it out, and this is fucking stupid, I think, but I don't know, is because Israel Keys had a big like tool rack or whatever on the on his truck bed. But in the surveillance videos, there wasn't one. Isn't that something that you can... You can absolutely remove it and put yeah. it back on. Yeah. Just like license plates. <laughs> so, right. They're like, well, this truck has license plates. So, <laughs> yeah, obviously, this can't be it. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, it didn't say in the book. That's why literally the sentence in the book was just that the detective, when he saw it in the driveway there, his heart sank and he was like, we looked into this truck. Like, this truck was on the list and we ruled it out. Now, again, we're going to find that... There's no connection between him and Samantha, but... And those cases are hard to crack because, yeah. yeah. What's the link? Right. What's the... Yeah. But it's uh, it's definitely unfortunate. Meanwhile, detectives fly from Alaska to Texas to question Keys. He starts with saying nothing. He doesn't... He's not going to... He's just not going to talk. He's being a real fucking dick. Um, when they show him the ransom note, he just keeps saying, I can't help you. The detectives ask why he has Samantha's ID and debit card, and he's like, oh, okay, now I know how I'm involved in this. And he starts telling this convoluted story about how he had cracked his truck window one day because he's a smoker, and surely they will see all the cigars in his rental car and know that this is true, that he does smoke. I know for a fact he's not going to get that uh, deposit or whatever back on his... <laughs> I mean, he's going to have to pay some money for that rental car. You would think. So... He had his door, his window cracked, and there was one day he comes back to his truck. He was working or something. He opens the door, and there's a Ziploc bag in his front seat, and those two cards are in it, and the PIN number was scratched on the top of the card, and he just figured that that was just payment for, like, a job he'd done because he was a contractor, and somebody 
who had owed him money just gave him that as payment. He's like, okay, fine. I'll just start using this ATM card. No problems. And this kidnapping case is everywhere in Anchorage. Oh, yeah, everywhere. And he just thought, oh, okay. No problems there. Preposterous. (laughs) That's what the fuck that is. It is preposterous. (laughs) I just don't know, like, how the detectives were not, like, preposterous. Right? I would have, like, laughing their asses off at him. Yeah. How did he say it with a straight face? I, I literally, I don't understand. Wow. I mean, I guess, I guess you're giving it all you got, right? You got to throw a Hail Mary at I this guess. point. I mean, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's right. That's right. So two weeks later, he's extradited back to Alaska and the FBI is getting ready to interrogate him. And they learned that the DA in the case, Kevin Feldes, has decided to head up the interrogations and have the FBI serve as his backup. Is that, that has, in the history of ever, has that ever happened? It's not supposed to. Okay. Yeah. And there's a lot of legal reasons why. Like, I know that sometimes the prosecutor will talk to people in the case or whatever, but there's a lot of things that the prosecutor is not supposed to be involved in, ask questions about, like, because then it changes how the court proceedings can go and stuff like that. It's, it's just not ethical it's not ethical there are reasons that precautions are taken and like police officers can lie in an interrogation a prosecutor cannot interrogators detectives can also leverage like we'll get you a deal with the da and blah 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 and they can lie about that they can say well you know we'll go to the da and we'll ask for this or that or whatever if the da is in the fucking room then the suspect can just be like excuse me, Mr. DA, are you going to give me that? And he's like, "Uh, no, not really. So it's like, boom, all your leverage is gone. Mm -hmm. So they were pretty pissed about that. I just feel like Feldus, and we'll get into that more. Yeah. But I feel like he's got the biggest head with probably the tiniest peen. That's what I'm thinking. So, and apparently in Alaska, the political climate was such that that was allowed to happen with little that anybody else could do about it. Like the FBI wanted to take the lead. They wanted to use their experience. Oh. <laughs> their experience. <laughs> There's that Texas. <laughs> I don't even think no, that no, that's fair. No, it's not fair. No. That's, You're that's, the stupid one, not Texans. Yeah, Come that's, on. That's me trying to... To pull down Texas because of my own insecurities, and it's not right. God blessed Texas with his own hand. Yeah, he did. Brought down angels from the promised land. I don't know what that word was. Um, it, I think it was supposed to be experience, if, if I can. It's certainly, yeah. If you could make that out, it was supposed to be used there. Experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. So sorry. Um, also this DA had no experience interrogating suspects. So what in the, what in the actual fuck? Yeah. You don't even go here. No. They had a missing girl on the line who could have still been alive. It absolutely just never should have happened. Like to me, let's take our dick measuring contest somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. It's all just like, what the fuck? And I guess like, I don't know. I don't understand how nobody was like, we can't, we can't risk this. Like, fuck you. We can't risk this. I, I don't get it. So it wasn't until March 30th, almost two months after Samantha was taken, that law enforcement finally learned what happened to Samantha Koenig. All right. So that's where we're going to wrap up today. And the next episode will cover really a lot of the interrogations with Israel Keys and what we have learned about his crime so far. Uh, which is not a whole hell of a lot, unfortunately, but there is a lot to dive into. So if you want to get early access to that, we will drop that. Um, if you're listening to this in real time, we're going to drop that in a couple days. Um, if you're not listening in real time, you could probably get it immediately. But either way, it'll be early release on the Patreon. So you can check us out there and subscribe for early access. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have an amazing week. Bye. Bye.
Get in on the conversation on Facebook and Instagram at Killer Queens Podcast and join our Facebook discussion group at Killer Queens Podcast where we discuss cases covered on the show and all things 90s. If you want to submit a case to be covered on the show, visit www.killerqueenspodcast.com slash case submission and complete the form. If we cover the case, we'll even give you a shout out on the show. Lilas! <laughs>